Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my voice. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got to change that to Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Oh, uh, I just locked myself in a procedure room. That Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on tour. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Hey, Polly, it's starting to feel a lot like Christmas. It is. Well, we're only five days away on mm-hmm. day of recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time this goes out, we'll be 48 hours away from the big day. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I might. I think I'm getting into the Christmas spirit. Mm. Had mulled wine. That's what gets you in the Christmas spirit. That helps. And we've got lots of Christmas music. Yes. Um, you need to talk about your meal you made today because I feel like that's podcast worthy. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah. Because Oof, I think bourguignon. That's to be shared with the world. <laughs> yeah. So you get your get your diced beef brown it a little bit and essentially just put it in the slow cooker with a whole bottle of wine and a few other bits and pieces onions and carrots and just let it stew if you like for seven hours oh it was incredible add a bit of mushrooms bacon and yeah it it worked it worked it's very good and And with mashed potato mashed potato that was that was good yeah and um yeah, the wine effectively just turns into gravy. Mm. Um, so, it's yeah, I can good. strongly recommend Boeuf Bourguignon <laughs> in slow cooker. We don't cook frog, le- frog legs, but we, we make... <clears throat> it is a French dish. It is a French yeah. dish. A bit like Cuisse de Grenouille. Exactly. Um, should we talk a bit about cricket? Because we, we've got a whole other episode for Christmas. This is true, yes. So, um, England are in the West Indies. Yeah, it feels like they've been there for a while now. Yes. <laughs> Been quite a few games. Uh, they've still got one T20 to play uh, at the time of recording. I thought I was going to say that a lot because we usually record on a Thursday, but mm-hmm. recording on a Tuesday. Um, anyway, Charlie Dean. I think I feel like we need a whole moment for Charlie Dean because her tour of the West Indies has been exceptional. She's put herself in pole position for the World Cup, hasn't she? Mm-hmm. Having not made the Commonwealth Games squad um, at all. Since then, everything that she's done has been brilliant. Yeah, I mean, previous to this tour, she's only ever played one T20 international for England, and that was a while back. Um, I think it might have been during the Ashes, even. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a long time ago, anyway. Um, and then, of course, didn't, didn't get selected for Commonwealth Games. And it felt like she was going to become one of these players, like, I suppose, a Kate Cross that only plays ODIs, really. And I suppose, mm-hmm. like, a Sarah Glenn, who only plays T20s. It, it kind of felt that she was going to be one of those players. Um, but obviously with uh, John Lewis coming in, um, and I think the fact that Alice Capti's got injured and she's kind of the off-spin option normally mm-hmm. and certainly was during the Commonwealth Games, it's given her an opportunity um, and and she's taken it. And even in the ODI, she's always been very economical and has got lots of wickets, but, you know, T20 is a different game and she's come into these matches and it's taking forfers, <laughs> which is incredible. Yes, and, and I think we talked about it last week, the three spinners, uh, mm. who now seem to be, that's the strategy, that we've got these three spinners who will bowl 12 overs between them mm-hmm. from a 20-over game, 
and then the others will be divided up between that Siver and two other fast bowlers. Yeah. Um, uh, Izzy Wonga still not played at yeah. all on tour, which I'm I'm a bit concerned about, really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking possibly some sort of injury because I don't see why they wouldn't include her because I think every single other person has played um, because there's been so much rotation. So I can only think there's another reason other than like <laughs> just not picking her. Um, so yeah, that is a bit strange. But in terms of fast bowlers, Lauren Bell has really stepped up. I think we spoke a bit about it last week, but I was watching the highlights from the game the other day where she got four wickets. And the wickets she got were incredible. You know, the, the, the stumps were cartwheeling. It was, yeah, she's exceptional talent. And I think the fact that Izzy Wong hasn't played has given Lauren an opportunity to step up and she's opened the bowling with Kate Cross and then has also been bowling alongside people like Catherine Brunt, who are obviously mm-hmm. really experienced. So, um, no, I think I think it's been really good for her. Yes, and clearly the bowling has been very good overall on the tour, hasn't it? The batting... Mm. Is more of a worry, I think. Yeah. I, I would really like to have seen some of our you know, top five players score some big yeah. runs against what's quite a weak opposition. Yeah. And I think we mentioned this last week about, well, actually, <laughs> there's a T20 World Cup in a couple of months and how are England going to come up against Australia and India? Because in their little series that they've got at the moment, Australia today set 196. It's like England are nowhere near that. Um, And, you know, India were setting 180 plus. So it's like, how how do you compete with that? Yeah, and I haven't been back through the history books, if you like, but I cannot recall England scoring scoring 9, 10 and over uh, in a a T20 game like that. Um, Now, clearly... Where they're playing in India is different conditions than yeah. West Indies, and so we're making, you know, we're probably not comparing. Yeah, it's just life. putting them on paper rather than <clears> looking <throat> at factors a bit more. Um, however, to have, um, I suppose, to have teams who are your closest rivals mm. outscoring you so much, yeah, um, is yeah a slight worry, I especially against tough opposition, yeah. because. Obviously, Australia and India are way more closely matched than England and West Indies. So you would imagine, um, yeah, you'd imagine England would be doing far better than West Indies, which, I mean, they have done. There have been some big victories, but at the same time, it's it wouldn't be enough to beat India or Australia. Um, Heather Graham has really impressed me for Australia, mm-hmm. uh, made her debut this tour um, in ODIs and then has played some ODIs and T20s. Um, she took four for eight uh today including I think a hat trick now I saw a video on Twitter saying Heather Graham's just got a hat trick but it feels like none of the crowd know <laughs> so like obviously Australia was celebrating but no one else seemed to know that it was a hat trick there was no like announcement saying oh it's a hat trick ball and all this stuff so I, I don't actually know if there was a hat trick or not um which was a bit strange but um I've been really, really enjoying following the Australia-India talk because mm. I, I think it's been a really good one. And it's exciting for the World Cup because, I mean, you think about the final in 2020 and it was obviously Australia and India, but Australia were by far the better team. But now you think if if that's going to be in the final, it could be a really close contended game. Yes, exciting. they're both very, very good teams, but Australia are still the better team. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, even today without mm. Alyssa Healy, mm. who was just ruled out because I think she did something to a calf, mm-hmm. um, they, they were perfectly fine and had um, Kim Garth and Heather Graham, who haven't played very much in international cricket, um, on the team doing really well. So, yeah. Yes. So Australia remain the team to beat uh, internationally, don't they? Definitely. Um, I don't think there's anything else we really need to talk about in terms of cricket. I think we do need to um, give a mention to last week's episode. Yes. Um, one of my favourite episodes ever. I loved it. I, I really, loved really it so it. much. Um, I was really excited after we did the, the interview because I was like, I know it's going to be a good episode. Mm-hmm. But the response we had from it mm. was, like, we've had some big guests on mm-hmm. and this beat all of them in the first like 24 hours um the listens we had to it the reactions on social media all those sort of things it was really lovely um so thank you for listening um so that that was pretty cool yeah yeah it it was it was absolutely brilliant and I think Lizzie Scott just came across really well Mm. didn't she that was the thing yeah um you know she's a she's a really good person to talk to and had some really good insights that she gave Mm -hmm. us into being a young cricketer, being part of the under nineteen, mm. um, and um, you know, I'm really looking forward to putting out all our other um, yeah. interviews with the under nineteens because yeah. I think you know there there are some great characters there. Yeah, it was a good way to kickstart the series. Mm. Um, well, shall we introduce our next episode? Then? Yes. So we spoke to Liberty Heap, who has kind of been a name around women's cricket for a little bit. I think since she was quite young, mm. um, people have kind of tipped her to be kind of an upcoming star um but I didn't realize so when uh she played the game against Western Storm when she hit like 36 not out of 18 balls or something like that um I didn't realize that was her first time playing at Old Trafford so I presume she played here before but obviously it is a massive ground with huge boundaries so to do what she did when she's not used to the the ground at all um makes it even more exceptional it was it was amazing and it just felt like she announced herself that day yeah yeah. yeah, and Definitely. you were in the commentary box, of course, weren't oh, you? Oh, exactly. I listened back to the commentary and I was like, is that kind of cool? Because I don't listen back to my... Well, no, I do sometimes just you know, see what I can improve. But um, I don't like listening back to it a lot of the time. But it was pretty cool to listen back to that and kind of just see my thoughts before she came out. And then as uh, her innings pro- progressed, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so enjoy our chat with Liberty Heap. <laughs> Um, so to start off, how did you first get into cricket? Um, so it was actually in a PE lesson um, in primary school. Uh, we were just doing, like, it must have been some form of, like, quick cricket or something. And um, like, I just found it really enjoyable. So, like, after that PE lesson, I just went home and I kind of said to my dad that I've been playing a bit of cricket at school and, like, I enjoyed it and stuff. And my dad's actually a cricket player himself. So he just kind of was like, oh, um, would you like to come down to the club and like do a little bit down there so I just started doing that and that's how I got into it really. That's so cool yeah I mean we that's a question we very often ask our guests and it's a really familiar answer actually that there's some sort of um, family connection uh, to cricket and that cricket somehow um, fitted you and so so how so you were saying primary school so about what 10 years old or even younger than that? Um, A bit younger than that I was eight I'm pretty sure okay uh, yeah eight just just about to turn nine so yeah I was quite young 
So, so that kind of introduced you to club cricket. So, how did how did that sort of um, change from going through into representation? Representation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've lost the ability to speak English now. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, being being picked. I think that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> uh, to to represent you know county and that sort of thing. Um, so I'd actually never even played like a hardball game before I got asked to go for Lancashire Trials. Um, I was still eight when I got asked to go for them. And I think it must have been like the chairman of the cricket club um, kind of put me forward and kind of said like there's like some potential there, but she hasn't really played much. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a bit of a long shot at the time. Like I was just enjoying like doing a bit of softball cricket and just messing around with it really. But yeah, I went for Lancashire Trials um, and I got in like in the first time that I trial for them um, and obviously I've been with them since then it's been over 10 years now so it's been quite a long journey yeah that's amazing yeah and I mean what's it like to represent a county like Lancashire because I think they're one of the only counties that have such a strong kind of identity especially when it comes to cricket yeah I think it's amazing obviously like the club itself all the people involved in it and the facilities as well um, obviously, we get to kind of access Old Trafford and the indoor centre there, which is like amazing. And yeah, I think, like you said, it's got such a strong identity. And I think all the people that wear the red rose feel strongly about it and are like really proud to wear it. Um, obviously, I'm the same as that. And yeah, I think after spending all my career there, it like means a lot to me to play for the club. And when I walk out onto the pitch, whether that's for age group or women's first team or like obviously even Thunder, like. It's just very important to like me and the team to just go and put everything out on there. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm from Preston originally. Although we we live in Birmingham now, and Polly's grown up in Birmingham, so she she is not a Lancastrian like we are. But um, uh, bit hard, a bit hard. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, it, it seems to me that I think I, I don't like to say it. This is it's true for Yorkshire as well, I think. But for Lancashire and Yorkshire, there is this real connection between the county and and the clubs in, in the area so you think about really strong club set up in particularly in East Lanks and you think someone like um, Jimmy Anderson's from your neck of the woods and Alex Hartley's from your neck of the woods and and um, you know I, I'm thinking back to my generation people like Graham Fowler and and uh, David Lloyd from your neck of the woods as well so there's a real uh, kind of rich seam a rich heritage of of uh, of cricket and people who've who've made that journey to be successful cricketers just from very small places in East Lancs yeah definitely and um, uh, um go on Liberty carry on you we, we you're breaking up a little bit there but... sorry I don't know what happened there <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry, my screen just went off for a second there. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think no matter kind of what level um, I've been at or where I've got to like in my pathway, I think I always enjoy kind of going back to my local club and like playing for them as well, especially. It's just like obviously means a lot and I've kind of grown up there, whether I've been playing or not. I've been down there like watching the men play um, and a lot of my best friends are from like down there as well. So I think like no matter where cricket takes me, I'll always kind of go back to my roots. Um, and try and like spend a lot of time down there and especially with the people and stuff. Yeah and, and Lancashire especially the women's team have produced so many good players what was it like coming into that senior team at you know the time when Alex Hartley, Kate Cross, Emma Lamb were all in that team and it, I suppose it's potentially quite an intimidating environment when you've got some of England's best players you know Sophie Eccleston as well all in that squad. 
Yeah, I think it was quite intimidating, but not in a negative way. I'd say it's like good to get insight from them, um, especially for them to kind of set the standard. And obviously, I wasn't like coming into that setup, and now like, my skills obviously not at the level that I want it to be at, and I want to carry on pushing that um, and like play as well as I can in regionals and hopefully that pushing in the future and stuff. But I think when they like come down and play for us, uh, coming out of the England setup, they like bring all the values and kind of commitment levels. And it just kind of shows um, like we all work like really hard, but it's like the next level up and they kind of bring that in and show us where we actually need to be if we want to kind of push on with our like career. And so it's definitely good to see um, like how they approach like the games and the training and stuff like that. Um, obviously, also like keeping it fun as well. Like they always have a laugh and stuff, and it's kind of good to see that they've got a good balance between like socialising and kind of cricket life. Um, I think it's motivating as well, if anything, to see that they're like working towards a career in the in the England setup, and they're still enjoying it so much, even though it's so high intensity. It just goes to show like it really pays off with all the hard work that they're doing and stuff. Yeah, now I, I I haven't seen your list, Polly. Polly always writes a really good list of things to talk about, but one of the things that's in my mental list in my head is is a kind of well, I'm going to call it a we were there moment, but I wasn't there. Polly was there commentating uh, back in September at Old Trafford, um, and uh, you were um, playing for Thunder against Western Storm, and it was it felt like this was a moment you really announced yourself. It was just absolutely amazing. 36 night out of 18 balls uh, coming in. And really, it felt like, although you know, it wasn't a game you ended up winning, but it, it really rescued the innings, it felt, for um, for Thunder that day. How, how did it feel for you coming in at that point in that game? Um, well, obviously, we got off to like a really good start. Um, Seren got 50. Um, DeAndre batted like really well as well. And I think uh, we kind of got into a bit of a difficult position, like in the middle of our sort of innings. So... I just took the mindset of, I think the only like way I need to approach this is to try and like push it on a little bit at the end, and I think that's what's going to kind of apply the pressure back onto, um, onto the storm and kind of try and make it a bit more like difficult on their mindset when they come out to bat. Um, but yeah, that's that's actually the first time I've ever played on Old Trafford, and like that's something I've wanted to do ever since I like got into Lanks, obviously at the young age of eight. So it's been. Um, a big goal for me. So I was just enjoying the moment, really. Um, I just thought if it comes off, it comes off. And if it doesn't, I've gone in with the right intent, which I think is probably the main thing that the team and like the coaches will ask for. Um, but yeah, like it was amazing to actually kind of that plan that came off and it went well. Uh, but yeah, it definitely meant a lot to do it on Old Trafford, um, which is something I've wanted to do for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, it it, it, it was like you an announcing yourself as a, I'm a big game player. You know, wh when I'm called up at these moments, I'll, I'll deliver. And that's that felt like what you did on that day. Yeah, um, obviously, I'd, I had Elliot the crease as well, which is quite nice. Um, I think at first when I went in, I was probably a little bit nervous and I was kind of saying to Elliot, I was like, oh, because uh, obviously there's a few people uh, in the stand watching as well and stuff. Uh, but yeah, Ellie just said to me, like, just stay calm. Like, you, it's the same for anyone at kind of regional level. You won't be there if you weren't good enough. Um, and it's just about keeping composure. And that, that really like, put me at ease. And I just thought, 
just need to try and play my game and if it doesn't work then I can go again um I can yeah it was good yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, I had the absolute pleasure of commentating on that. And um, I remember when you came out to the crease, because I, I was asked, okay, what's a good score? So I think I was like, oh, about 220, 2.30. And at that point, I was like, there's no way Thunder are going to get this. And then you came to the crease and did that. I was like, it makes me look great. It makes me look like I know what I'm on about. So I was absolutely buzzing with that. I was so happy. But, it, I mean, it was remarkable innings, not just because, you know, from the first ball, you just like you could see your intent but then the fact that the boundaries at Old Trafford are massive um and you hit a couple of sixes I was like okay that this, this is seriously good and I think at one point you know I was asked to kind of summarize my thoughts on the over and I was a little bit lost for words I was like this this is not what I was I think at one point I was like um I said something about you know you were like 36 not out of 18 boys I was like that is something I did not think I was gonna say today um because yeah it, it was an outstanding innings Thank you. <laughs> um, so anyway, then a couple of weeks later, it was announced that you were in the squad for the Under-19 World Cup. When did you hear about your call-up? And do you know, you know, why you got called up in terms of like what games people have been watching of you? Was that academy stuff and things like that? I'm pretty sure it was kind of based from academy level stuff. Um, I'm unsure whether they took in any like senior stuff in because some of the girls in the squad managed to play like more than others so I don't know if they kind of looked at it from a perspective thinking well it is like an under 19s world cup it's probably going to be um more similar to the stuff we play at academy um there was like England scouts and stuff watching them games and uh, of course at the school games as well that was kind of like something that we used as insight onto the squad um but yeah I think I found out about that early October but yeah, uh, that was not a fun call I was expecting, to be honest. Like someone said to me a year ago, oh yeah, you're going to be playing in a World Cup next year. I would be like, no way. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it all. It's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing opportunity, isn't it? And I guess you've had a bit of an opportunity to meet up with the rest of the squad over the last few weeks. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we've been doing um, England camps every weekend. So we usually travel down on the Friday and then train Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's kind of once again it's kind of a similar thing of uh they're like pushing us physically and mentally to try and show us what it is actually like at that next level on um and to see and like try and prepare to be able to deal with that um it's been obviously difficult but I'm really enjoying it all and I know the rest of the girls are as well and it's been good to kind of get to know those other people from like across the country that are your age as well because obviously we spend a lot of time playing against them but once the game's kind of done, they go back down to the south of the country and I'm back up north. So don't really get to spend much time with them on that front. But yeah, it's been it's been good to get to know them other girls. Um found it really enjoyable. As friends rather than as opponents. Yeah, definitely. It's been <laughs> uh been slightly different. Uh I'm not sure some of them like me on the pitch, but yeah, definitely building some good friendships off it. I want to say who who's surprised you? So so you know how People talk about other people, don't they? It's like, you know, who's what's someone like and what's, you know, who's who are the, the best players? Who uh, in that squad that you've you've met have you been sort of, um, did you not know so much about, but now you've kind of seen them in action, you're kind of like, well, yeah, no, I, I, I know who they are now. That's quite a difficult question, to be honest. Um, I'd say, like, most of them, really. Mm -hmm. um, like, I genuinely 
found it quite difficult to build friendships across like the other teams from academy. Like, obviously, there's a lot of distance between sort of the regions. So, mm. as much as you could, you could literally play against someone like for the past like maybe like what three four years, and you kind of get to know them on the pitch and you like learn about the game and stuff. And you think you know a person on the pitch, but I think once they come off it, it's completely different. Like I said, a lot of people probably think I'm a bit of an idiot on the pitch sometimes and probably think, oh, but then like I'll come off the pitch and I'll speak to anyone, try and get to know like anyone, uh, just create friendships like across like, all of it really. But yeah, it's definitely surprised me kind of getting to see what everyone else is like off the pitch. Obviously spent the past like, number of years playing against them all. So it's been good to see the actual like, other side of them and not just what they like on the pitch. Yeah, and of course you're one of the older players in the team and so you're probably one of very few that have like finished school and things. But going back to like when you were balancing school and cricket, how did that work? And especially with things like extra training, of course, when you when you get called up to Thunder, that's kind of an, an extra thing. Yeah, I found that very difficult at the time, to be honest. Um, it was a case of trying to like prioritise different things at different times. So obviously like, with exams coming up and stuff, I'd try and make sure I'm getting enough revisioning, but then also not wanting my cricket to fall behind. Um, I definitely found that difficult to balance, and I really feel for the girls that are still in college and school right now because I would not be able to do it with the amount of training. But yeah, I think it was just a case of being like as organised as possible because um, I'd like go to college during the day. I'd sometimes I'd have to leave early and then travel to training and then. It'd be a very long day because then I'd get back from training and have to go and sit in my room and do like homework for two hours after that. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely just a case of organising and make sure you fit in everything in on certain days, which probably wasn't my strong suit at times. But it's definitely worth it because now like I'm taking a gap year and it's just like good to be able to focus on cricket by itself. And it's kind of like reminded me this year of how much I actually enjoy playing. So I think it's easy to get caught up in feeling sort of like stress with college and stuff um, and then you kind of go to cricket and you, you're a bit tired and you think oh like I'm not really feeling up for this today but yeah it's been like great like this year um, to kind of enjoy my cricket a lot more again. And is uh, like something like a professional contract kind of in your sight and thinking about next year and kind of planning for a career in cricket? Yeah, that's definitely what I'm wanting to do. Um, I think I am going to go back into education at some point, uh, but I do hope to sort of get a contract in the next year. Um, and that's something that I'm working towards this winter. And hopefully, um, like if the World Cup and stuff goes well, that'll kind of like push my name forward a little bit more for that. Um, but yeah, that's definitely what I'm wanting to do in my career. And I think just like I find it really exciting, um, like with all the opportunities that there is now. Like especially with like even say for example in the future if I didn't make it to senior England which is like probably my main like goal with cricket and um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of your career like you can go into the like the hundreds can go across to like the other franchise competitions and stuff so like it's just amazing to know that even if you don't reach the highest level now as a woman there's so many more opportunities that you can kind of make a career out of. Um, I think like when I first started playing, there was only sort of like one goal as a female cricket player. It was to like make it to England, and if you don't, then you've kind of got to balance it as well as like another job. So 
think from that side of things, it's been good to see like how the women's games progressed and like there's been a lot of investment into it this past few years, which has been really good to see. And I know that a lot motivate a lot of other younger girls as well. Yeah, and it's great. You're a direct beneficiary of that, really. Or, or you know, hopefully, you will be in the in the long term. Um, you know that you you'd be able. To, well, you you can see now the difference it makes when you just focus on cricket and there's nothing other else, sort of you know, study wise or work wise, and um, you know pulling you in different directions. And and um, and I guess what you'll hopefully see over the next twelve months is the impact that has on your game as well. It's 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 going to keep going from strength to strength, isn't it? Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> And um, who are some of the kind of younger players in the Thunder Academy or Lanks age groups that will be coming through to the senior team and we should kind of watch out for? I'd say there's definitely like a lot of potential there. There's a lot, I feel like there's a lot of people that's kind of turned a corner with the game in this past season. So it'd be quite like difficult to just pick out a few because um, I've definitely seen like some of the younger girls like develop over the year. And I think it's just been a case of like them getting that experience as well, even if they are quite young. Um, but I'd definitely say there's a lot of potential coming through. Um, one of the girls I'm a lot close with, uh, she's been one of my best friends because she actually plays at the same club as me, um, Grace Johnson. She she was at the school games as well, actually, because she like, played really well um, in academy this year. But I'd definitely say like she's kind of on the brink of working away into the team with, with her bowling. Uh, she caused a lot of problems for some of the other academies this year so it was good to see uh, like good to see one of my best friends being successful um, but I'd say yeah like there's a lot of like batters coming through as well like not to give any specific names really because mm. I think they've all done so well this year um, and kind of contributed their own bits in the games but yeah there's definitely like some good uh, talent coming through. I, I think that's I think that's really good. It's really, I mean, it's really good to hear. I think from Thunder's point of view that there's this production line of yeah. talent um, just around the corner because I think that's essentially that's how regions are going to become more and more successful is be by developing their own players, isn't it? Uh, and I think especially as yeah. um, there are more professional contracts available, it's going to become tougher and tougher for non-contracted players to get any sort of game time because you're going to have. 10, 15 contracted professionals in, in your region, aren't you? Um, and so I think it's for those youngsters, it's taking every opportunity as it comes at the moment and, and to show that they yeah. you know, they can grab a contract when there's when there's one around the corner. But that's really good news to hear, I think, for Thunder, because uh, I think that's that means that the future looks bright for them. Do you have any more meetups with the under-19 squad or is it just on the plane next time you'll see them? Uh, yeah, we've got two training camps left, so I actually go down tomorrow again for this weekend and then uh, the same again next weekend. Um, and then that is kind of like the final like camp where we're all meeting together at Loughborough um, to like train. But we do have, um, like, we obviously have a little break over Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but we've kind of been asked, obviously that's right in the lead up to the World Cup, so we've kind of been asked to not really take that much time off. So we've... Um, like me and Seren, obviously, are both from Thunder, so we've kind of organised some sessions over Christmas with uh, with Paul Shaw from Thunder to like keep us ticking over and stuff. Because obviously, like we've worked on stuff over the past two months, we don't really want to sort of lose any form before we go to there. But yeah, it's all right that you don't like Christmas anyway. That, yeah, so you're not missing much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not missing out on much to be honest. It's all right. I'll just keep training. <laughs> all I want for Christmas is spin training. Yeah, sounds great. And. Um, uh, yeah, well, we want to wish you all the best. And, um, you know, I 
I think we've got a great chance, haven't we? We could win this. Yeah, that's the that's the hope for the girls. Um, I think kind of we've just been looking at, obviously spending a lot of time looking at ourselves and what areas as a team need to improve. And um, I think obviously everyone's not like no matter whether it's at regional England, whatever. Everyone's got their own personal things that they've been working on. But I think we've done like a lot of team based things, like especially like with the like big folks on fielding. Um, we've kind of gone into it with the mindset of. Obviously, you have your days performing with the bat and with the ball, but I think if you can consistently perform as like a fielding unit, then you've got a pretty good chance at that. So we took a big focus on that and sort of our like attitude to fielding and the commitment levels and like what diving and stuff, rolling, like all the stuff that you don't really practice that much on. Um, getting volume in for that. So yeah, it's been it's been good to focus on that. Um, and I think yeah, all the girls are looking really strong. So. We're feeling quite confident going to the World Cup, but obviously anything can happen. There's going to be a lot of other strong teams in that, so I think we can just do our best to like focus on ourselves. We don't really know much about the other teams because obviously we've never played them before, and it's the first under nineteen World Cup. But yeah, we've just put a strong focus on like the team side of things. Yeah, I mean that that makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And I guess from the ECB point of view, this is potentially the core of you know of an England main team five or six years down the line you know and I'm not saying that all 11 players or all 16 players in the squad are, are, are heading in that direction but some of them will be and and I guess that's what they're seeing is that this is a great way of building up for the future of, of English cricket as well and get a little sneak preview of that and it'd be great if you're part of that as well in a few years time we'll be we'll be definitely looking out for that yeah that's that's the goal um, I'm definitely trying to work for long term, but yeah, I think obviously, like it's the first one. Um, I think we've got quite a young team as well. Mm. A lot of the girls are actually younger than 19, so some of them are like what 16, 17. So I think the fact that they are getting into this team at such a young age goes for itself to show like there's so much potential coming through. Um, and obviously, the seniors is very strong at the minute. There's like a lot of good players and a lot of young players in there, but I think it is kind of like expanding that talent pool um, and just increasing the standard constantly. Um, and I think it brings its own kind of, not pressures as well, but I think going out to a competition like this can be quite like intense. And I think if like some of the girls and myself learn to deal with this, like at a younger age, and that a lot of like some of the other senior girls didn't really get a chance to, like at this age, I think it's just good to get that experience and know about like going into like quite a major tournament. And obviously it's, a long tour and it's in a different country and away from family and like all them factors can sort of play a part for people so I think it is great that we kind of get to experience this at such like a young age and get used to it and like the different environments and getting used to trying to like measure different pitches and wickets and stuff like that because obviously they're going to be slightly different to over here in England mm. but yeah I think it's, it's very hopeful for the future of England really. I've just thought of another question. This is, it felt like we were coming to the end and I thought of a really a good other question. Actually, it's to do, it's to do with fielding because we had a conversation the other day after Alice Capsi bust a collarbone. And so it's like the start of a, a ODI series playing on, you know, in a, in a place that she's not played before. She like launches herself to try and save a boundary and puts herself out for several months. And I just... The thought, the thought yeah. to me, is it really worth it? You know, and you see people kind of, you know, really hurting themselves in order to try and save one run in a in a 50 over game. And I guess it's that the sort of thing that you talk about 
in training it, because I, I realize it's really bad form to not attempt to field it and i can imagine the bowler would be really unhappy with you the coach would be really unhappy with you but it seems to me it's really bad form to kind of put yourself in a lot of danger as well doing it so do you, do you talk about the risks of, of of how you approach that i think obviously they can try and teach us the techniques and stuff of like how to dive properly how to roll properly and it's not always going to come off and obviously that risks getting hurt but i think from a like mindset point of view, we look at it from like every single run count. So I think like all of us are gonna like be that committed and put in every dive to stop every run and try and do all these things. But yeah, no, definitely look at it from a point of view, like every run counts, you wanna stop everything. And I think not from just a score point of view, like a pressure point of view as well. We always talk about like, for example, if you were the one batting and you've got someone in like extra cover. And you could have a deep cover as well if someone's trying to hit it through there and extra puts in like an amazing dive. And you could argue that it's just a slot one run, but I think someone putting in that dive just shows the quality of fielding. And it kind of then puts like a pitcher in the batter's head and it kind of makes them second guess whether they can actually take that run next time or whether they're going to get run out doing it by an amazing stop. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors that actually play into that. And even though it comes down to just technically being one run, I think it can actually effect a batter's mindset on things so yeah I think everyone will definitely just be putting all that effort in hopefully no broken columns yeah, yeah, yeah hopefully not, that's not what <laughs> <we're doing. laughs> yeah that was that was brilliant that was a really good answer yeah. I, I really appreciate that insight that's really really good Liberty it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you I just want to, yeah all the best as I say you know get on that flight on the 3rd of January get out there and bring bring that cup back home to Burnley it's about time Burnley has some sort of silverware, isn't it? <laughs> uh, hopefully, that, hopefully that's the case, yeah. Hasn't it been great to have two proper northerners on the last two episodes? Proper northern accents. Yeah. A Northumberland accent and an East Lancs accent. <laughs> Very refreshing. <laughs> yeah. It's been nice. Um, well, this was intended to be our Christmas episode. However, Liberty Heap isn't a massive fan of Christmas. So we decided to create a whole other separate Christmas special um, with five of the under 19s. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coming out on Christmas Day. Um, a special bonus episode. Bonus episode on Christmas Day. Um, I think it's going to be great. It's I am biased, but I think it's going to be great. <laughs> so we'll see you in a couple of days' time on Christmas, yeah. Christmas Day. We'll see you in 48 hours. Yeah, 6 o'clock in the morning. Six o'clock in the morning, of course. Of course. It's fine. It'll be 7am 7, 7 where we are, so it's okay. <laughs> in the meantime, though, you can follow us on Instagram, which is North Child Podcast, and Twitter, which is OO Child Podcast. Mm-hmm.